Good morning, everybody. I'm really happy to be here, and um, I have my heart pulling and tugging on me, saying I really miss you, um, but I'm not far from you. Uh, we are still in the same universe, and, <laughs> and we still uh, meet one another in the shops, and um, I have a, a lovely support from you, and I just want to say thank you so much. There's a photograph of our church family without the children and without the youth. Um, as you can see, we've got quite, so we've got a little hall, but um, we can't have more than 60 people in the hall, and so we have the youth and the children meeting at different times, and um, it's really exciting ministry, and we send our love to you from Capricorn Community Church, which is uh, situated in Freyhrond, um, close to the Musenberg um, beachfront, so I know I haven't rolled down to go and have a swim. Um, we've been a bit busy for that, <laughs> but um, it really is a lovely place to be. I'm really appreciative of those who came to do a walk with us, a prayer walk. What a wonderful partnership to pray together, um, and I just really like the way that um, we are being blessed by your um, activities with us. And um, I just, are there any of the ladies here from the knitting, missions knitting group? Anybody here? Please won't you extend uh, my thanks. I just want to share a short story with you. I, um, a couple of weeks ago, a mom brought a child to me. She was absolutely, see the house is coming down, the presence of the Lord is falling. <laughs> Sorry about that, you're okay. It's just your iPad lying on the floor. <laughs> He'll give you a new one. <laughs> um, and uh, this mom came in absolutely devastated and broken straight after church, and she said her daughter had said she'd been molested, and um, we had got involved in talking about, to a social worker and um, the police, and this little girl was just so broken. And I just thought of the knitting group, and I said, would you like a blanket um, at the end? I prayed with her, and um, she said, yes, please, and... Man, when she received that little blanket, and it actually had pink in it, and it was just all multicolors, it just her face lit up. And I can't even begin to express how something that was the labor of your hands just made such a difference in that little girl's life. So thank you so much. And uh, we are sharing blankets and jerseys and the beanies that you've given us, and we've got baby things. Um, one church offered to give us um, jerseys. People were knitting for the older children, but they had nothing for babies. And then Heather phoned me within 24 hours and said, hey, we've got, knit, we've got jerseys for babies. Are you interested? And was like, yes, Lord, thank you so much. And so we are very grateful for what you've done for us. Okay, let's pray. Father, we just ask for your spirit to um, lead us and guide us this morning. I pray that for each person sitting here, there will be something new, something new in their thinking, in their hearts, and in their spirit. Lord, may we be encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you heard of the English proverb that says, change is as good as a holiday? Yeah? Well, if uh, I've had a really good holiday then, <laughs> because um, ever since I've been at Capricorn Community Church, which is now just over a year, can you believe it? I've heard there's been babies born and all sorts of things while I'm away. I had no idea these things were happening. Um, but the word change has accompanied nearly every aspect of my journey from PBC. 
And God has certainly done a new thing in my life, and I embrace it, because I don't mind change. I actually like change. When I was a teacher all those years ago, um, whenever the new syllabus came in, you know, everyone's going, oh, not again. And I would say, yeah, I like change. Um, do you like change? Are you the person next to you? Don't need to look at them. Just nod or shake your head. <laughs> Some people don't want to accept the need for change, even if it's good for them. Um, there's this doctor who um, spoke to this man and said to him, look, it's time to start cutting out on your red meat. You've got gout and you've got high blood pressure. Start eating healthier. And I don't want you to eat red meat. So the man took it to the Lord in prayer, and he thought of all sorts of ways to get around it, so he came up with an agreement. He said, okay, I'm not going to put tomato sauce on my hamburgers from now on. It won't be red. (laughs) And this morning, we're going to be looking at how God changed the world and empowered believers in the early church, and that he calls us today to be empowered in a changing world that we find ourselves in today. Yeah? And so 10 days ago, we celebrated Jesus' ascension into heaven, where he is now in person, being worshipped and glorified and exalted by the company of heaven. Jesus is seated high above all other authorities and all other powers. And before he left the earth, and we've heard all these readings again, I'm just saying, Lord, okay, we're going to hear it again, that he promised to send his Holy Spirit to his followers And the promise was that change is coming. Hmm? Mom and dad are going away for holiday. Granny's coming to look after you. Woo, that's going to be a change. Well, it depends on how your granny was, of course. (laughs) But let's have a look at those passages where we go back to John, where Jesus is preparing his disciples for this time of change. I'm not going to be with you forever. Get ready. Change is coming. John 14 And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Isn't that beautiful? I'm so encouraged. Now, that word advocate, and I'm not a Greek fundi, but it comes from the word paraclete, meaning the one who is alongside us, who comes to our aid, also seen as the counselor or the companion or the helper or the comforter. This is what Jesus is saying. But isn't it interesting that he says, I'm going to leave you another advocate, another, meaning that or implying that the disciples had actually experienced um, Jesus um, in this way, as a comforter, as a companion, as a friend, as a defender. That I found really, really interesting. And then in John 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said. That is always for me an issue, like, what if I forget everything, Lord? What if I forget? No, my spirit will remind you. And in John 16, he said, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the comforter, will not come to you. But if you go, I will send him to you, if I go. So um, this is really, Jesus is saying, with me staying here, um, you're not going to be as blessed as if I go away. And then in Acts 1, we heard today, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and all the world. And so um, where I'm working, I would say that that is Jerusalem. Do you agree? Jerusalem, a mission field of endless opportunities. If you're ever wanting to do some mission, come out there. And of course, true to his promises, the Holy Spirit came. And along came change. And so there's three things I want us to know about change. Firstly, change interrupts. Let's look at this interruption, and uh, we read about it earlier. I want to focus particularly on this violent wind that interrupted. Jesus had said to his disciples, go wait over there. Do you think that this is what they were expecting? Like a violent wind. One pastor said it was a holy hurricane. It's not something that you can actually ignore when you're in a room with some friends and this physical manifestation. So you have this violent hurricane, holy hurricane, with tongues of fire coming down. It's not what they were expecting. And from that moment, everything changed. It was a blessing of power. The presence of God himself, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit filled those followers of Jesus, and they changed to become equipped witnesses for Christ. They were not the same after that experience. Miraculously, and they did a really good job, because at the end of that day, more than 3,000 people joined the new church. That's incredible. Sometimes we read over these words and we say, what? So there's like 50, 60 of us here. Let's add another 3,000. Well done, classic. You've done a great job. You went out in the power of the Spirit. And we mustn't forget that um, before we get too carried away about our Pentecost, that Pentecost actually was not a Christian celebration before it became one. So there was this change in identity for the day. The word Pentecost means 50 days. So the Jews then and still now celebrate the festival of the week. And um, you offer God the first grains, the first wheat harvest. And um, so 50 days after the Passover, Pentecost would happen. And for us, 50 days after Easter, we have Pentecost. But it means different things. And so there was the shift for those Jews who converted. Can you understand? They were actually in Jerusalem. Acts 2.5 said that there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Of course, the nations weren't as many as today, but there was this center gathering of thousands of people for Pentecost. And then the fire and wind of Pentecost came, and there was this shift in the atmosphere. And I think it's beautiful how Jesus' disciples immediately became witnesses in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit enabled them to communicate in different languages. And he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And that's what happened. They were. They became witnesses. Can you see? Followers to witnesses. And another thing about change is that change activates Nothing stays the same when change happens, do you agree? Something's going to happen when change happens. And can you imagine how the lives of each one of these Jewish people was impacted by this activation? Because a spirit-filled Christian life cannot stay the same. You cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit 
activated by the power of the Lord and then go back home and just drink tea. Of course, you can have tea after a long day of converting thousands of people to Jesus. Their whole identity shifted from God-fearing, old covenant, law-abiding, Jewish, religious followers to born-again, new covenant, children of God, believers saved and delivered through Jesus Christ, their true Messiah, and they were filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Basically, everything shifted for them on that day. Spiritually, culturally, it was a whole new thing that Jesus was doing. Salvation of works became salvation by God's grace through faith in Christ alone. Imagine, even that thought would have been mind-blowing. Lives were being regenerated and God was doing a new thing on the earth. And there was this shockwave from Jerusalem. There was this like pouring out of the spirit and then each one of those thousands went home. And can you imagine people talking about the gospel and the, telling someone else who told someone else it was the gossip of God was on steroids. Wow, that's a good time to start gossiping. But of course, let's not be mistaken. The Holy Spirit has always been in the world. We read about the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament before Pentecost. Um, when I think of the Holy Spirit at work in the life of Mary in Luke, you know, she received the Son of God in her womb. That's not a small encounter. And what about Elizabeth? And then, of course, Simeon. Uh, there's a picture of Simeon that just really touched me. I found it on Google. I couldn't actually find out who a refer who drew it or put it together. But he was an, a man who was waiting to meet the Messiah. He was an old man, and he had been praying. God said to him, I will show you. And in one of the verses in Luke 2, it says, The Holy Spirit was upon him. And had revealed to him, there was this communion, that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And that day where he was going to meet Jesus, the Spirit led him to the temple. Can you see the work of the Holy Spirit? Communicating, leading, revealing, being in him, upon him. And then he met Jesus, and I, I, I see this picture, he burst into tears. I have seen the Lord's Messiah. Now I can die. I'm happy. <laughs> That's what he said. Can you believe it? But he started speaking things that left Mary and Joseph with their mouth hanging. He said, he is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of the people of Israel. How did he know that? Through the power of the Spirit's. This was clearly the evidence of the Holy Spirit working. So what's different about Pentecost? Well, no longer was the Holy Spirit uh, um, coming upon people, individual people in, in, in different places. It was a generous, universal, unbiased, outpouring manifestation of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. All believers received power of the Holy Spirit. That is the generosity of God. 
pouring out power upon anyone, whether you deserved it or not, whether you were tall or short, no matter whether you're young or old, no matter whether you're clever or not, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't God amazing? And in the book of Acts, please read it again sometime soon, you will see the power of God was released to all believers as they went witnessing to others and they performed miracles and signs and wonders and other gifts of the Holy Spirit as they were baptized. They were activated into the Lord's service and more and more people became followers and through the laying on of hands, people were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's have a look at the graph of just Acts, um, just miracles. I mean, it's a pretty colorful graph, and it just shows you in the different chapters, 28 chapters, what sort of things happened. And this is just some of it. It's not even all of it. Um, the, um, the, the, the acts of service and mercy and administration and leadership issues and pastoring and teaching is not revealed on this. But we see healings and wonders and prophecy and physical manifestations and judgments. Um, the dead were raised. Peter and uh, Paul both raised someone to life. Um, tongues and people were set free. And, and, and also there were clusters of miracles. When we read the, the book, in, um, we read about Peter who's walking along and his shadow just goes over a crowd. Um, and it's, it says a multitude. And then they were all healed. Like, Wow. And then Paul was doing crazy things. He was laying hands on things like handkerchiefs and aprons, wasn't he? If you have a look at um, Acts 19, and then um, people will be healed by having those things. You know, there's some dodgy ministry still going on with that, but it seemed to be okay then. (laughs) I haven't thought too much about it. I don't know why I brought it up. Sorry, Andrew, you'll have to fix that one. (laughs) So these comments like, and Stephen did, Many signs and wonders. God's people were doing things they never dreamed of doing before. But all of this is glorious activity. But it wasn't always only glorious. The third point is that change will challenge us. So as you know, the changes came with persecution. They suffered for the sake of Christ. The followers were rejected. Can you imagine those family members, those Jewish uh, religious men who went home, women went home, and they said, no, we don't do that anymore. Can you imagine the conflict in the home? They were arrested, martyred, beaten, scourged. Their lives were in danger. They were on the run. They were exhausted. They were stoned. They were afflicted, and so on and so on. That's what change does in God's church. If you're really going to step out into ministry full on, you're going to come up against opposition. That's what I'm finding where I am. You push, you get pushed back. And so now what must I do? I'm going to come back to PBC and come and hide here. No, I'm just, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that is what's happening. This is still happening in the world today. God's people moving, taking ground for the kingdom is not just glory. It is. God will work through this, but you're going to be challenged. And I also want to say that one of the challenges back then would have been, well, we've never done church before. What is church? And how does God want us to do this thing? And and what about order and services and all these kinds of things? They had to wait for the Holy Spirit to reveal it to them. And they had to sort of hang on to everything the Spirit was saying so that they could be obedient to the Lord. Now that word obedient is always the issue, isn't it? God reveals, now we must do. 
God says, now we must follow. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit was released, but now you could use it for all kinds of things. God says, I will guide you. And so that was a challenge. And then Jesus made the second promise in all change. And the first one was that it's coming. And the second one is you're not alone. And I also heard this morning, Matthew 28, verse 10, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. These are very comforting words. And I'm sure that the new believers and the early church would have said, okay, let's not give up. Let's just remember he said he's going to be with us. Let's, don't worry about it. We're going to keep going forward. And nearly 2,000 years later, we're finding ourselves in a world that's completely changed. Have you noticed? Change has interrupted us. COVID-19 and the virus has impacted us deeply, but also church has been impacted, yes? Church gatherings came to a halt. My very first week, I said goodbye to you. The next week was lockdown level five. Now what do I do? Relationships became socially distant. The church family felt like a scattering. And in a time of distress, when the church has always encouraged and prayed and, and assisted, everyone was locked away from one another. That's change. Can't say that's not change. But change activates. And all churches became activated in different ways. I can only talk about what, we, what happened to our little body. We had to start thinking, so now what do we do? Um, we, we can't meet one another. What should we do? We can't do online because many of the folk in our church don't have data, don't have the technology. Some of them don't even have cell phones. And so how do we keep connecting? And so we had to start thinking about meeting in person, one-on-one, -on -one, driving to someone's house and standing on the street and just talking three meters away from each other and praying um, food supply became and income um, became a huge problem in the community. That was what rose in that time. And so I love the way that our little body just started doing acts and services of love and charity, seeking the poor, the sick, the vulnerable. So there was this practical theology that came into being. Church changed from receiving from the Lord and sitting to actually moving and being activated. And you know what? When we took a Step forward, God opened the storehouses. Through PBC, Larata's Hope, other different churches, we were able to just start giving groceries and, and vouchers to people, and we were able to meet a very basic need, a very important need. We even had a little team packing peanut butter pastes, nutrition packs for children, and we were delivering, and ladies would meet, we'd pack, and then we'd get friends to put in the back of cars, and we would deliver to all the early childhood development, the ECD schools, so that little children could have a daily supply of nutrition. It was exciting, but hard work. And we connected to one another, sometimes I would phone, and and um, through others' blessing, we were able to even get involved in the 33 kitchens that opened up in the community. So we became like a vessel of blessing. It was amazing. God just met the need, not because he loves us only, but because he loves all people and desires all people to know him. So we had to learn that giving was also about an opportunity to minister. Can I pray for you? Let's ask God to bless this so you have more. You know, we pray big prayers out there sometimes. Some of our ladies even opened up a kitchen and fed hundreds of people every day. They're still going once a week. 
And many other churches and other church NGOs started working alongside us, and we'd wink at a distance, knowing that we were partnering, that we were doing good works alongside each other. Even though we weren't meeting together, we were still all serving the same community, knowing that God wanted us to put our faith into practice. But the thing is, change was challenging. So the church was experiencing something new, but how do we define church now? How do you define church now? And the problem is, do we lament or do we celebrate? God, are we sorry? What's happening? Or do we celebrate this new change? And another challenge we face is that in isolation, we become alone with God and we face the reality of our relationship with him. Are we always relying on someone else to encourage us and to read the word and explain the scriptures to us? The Holy Spirit will teach us. Do I hear the Holy Spirit on my own? Another challenge is how we, now that we're starting to regather, we want to go back to what always was. We want to go back to the normal. Do you agree? But there is now no more normal. So now what are we going to do? Just like the early church, there's a new thing happening. We need to start hanging on to the words of the Spirit. We need to start taking direction. I think there was a sense of sleep and, you know, tiredness that came up, fatigue that came upon the body. And now God has allowed change to happen. And he's saying, now what are you going to do? Draw close to me. In fact, we've lost a few people at church over this season. I have never met people who never came back to fellowship because they found it hard to be out of relationship and they just never returned. And so those are the lost sheep that we've got work to do to bring back. Are we asking the Lord to refresh us today? Are we praying for an outpouring of his spirit so that we can be ignited and equipped for the new season. You know there's a possible third wave coming to South Africa, to Cape Town. And so what are we going to do? How are we going to do church? Are we ready? Are we listening? And are we um, preparing to walk with the Holy Spirit? I think miracles, signs, and wonders are part of this new season. I think we need to start stepping out. We need to start taking our faith and the gospel and our calling and ministry in the spirit seriously. But we need to start doing it. We need to be bold in the spirit. And I must say, I said to Steve earlier, I don't really know what I'm doing, but yes, okay, in a sense, I come from PBC. I know a lot. But really... What is the Holy Spirit saying to me and what is the Holy Spirit saying to the church? We need to trust and obey. And, you know, we are comforted. God will be with us. He said, I'll be with you. So we can, as long as we stay um, obedient. So there's life, ongoing life in the Spirit. And I thought maybe we could just use this time for a bit of personal ministry. We won't be laying hands on everyone, but the Holy Spirit is present. So Ruth, if you don't mind, um, you can um, start playing the song that we're going to sing afterwards. Holy Spirit, living breath of God. Would you like the Holy Spirit to fill you again? Would you like this? Would you like to experience more of his presence and his love? And his, Is there a healing that needs to happen in your life? Do you need to be healed this morning? Do you need to be strengthened in his love? And are you lonely? Do you want to get to know the comforter, your companion, your advocate this morning? He's a real person, real presence, real God in your life. 
Are you craving to be set free from an infirmity? Are you in bondage over something? Are you trapped by fear? The Holy Spirit is here to release us from suffering. Maybe not always as we ask, but he's at work and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. He's not a liar. What about your spiritual gifting? Ask the Lord to equip you for whatever lies ahead. Equip you for service, for ministry. And you'll be surprised at what he reveals to you. Come, Holy Spirit. And if you've never made a commitment to Jesus, why not make him your Lord and Savior today? It's as good as time as any. Maybe it's time to renew your vows, renew your promises to him. Lord Jesus, come and have your way in me. Thank you for forgiving me for all my sin. Thank you, Lord, that you you renew me through the power of your spirit, that you regenerate me, that you give me new life in you. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit will come and touch me now. Come and wash away the old and bring in the new. Clothe me with love and compassion and mercy so that I live for not just myself, but for you and in honor of you among people. Come and have your way among us today. Come and help us in our weaknesses. Come and intercede for us, Lord. You know the will of the Father. Come, Holy Spirit, and bring healing. Holy Spirit, come and set free. Open our minds to understand Scripture more. I pray for your Spirit to release power among everyone sitting here today. Release your power, Lord. Baptize us in your Spirit again. And anoint us for your calling. Spirit is the Lord, and the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, there is freedom. Come and bring freedom among people today, Lord. Bless this church. Bless this body, Lord, with your power. Breathe new life in us today, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.